probably the first question some people might have come to their mind is, well, what is atonement anyway? <laughs> well, you know, for Christians, that's a good question because yeah. you won't really find that word in the New Testament a whole lot. So, uh, you know, it's a day of atonement. Now, somebody clever at one point said at one mint. You Ooh. should break the word up. And you know how we love to yes. break words up. But atonement, what in the world is it? It's used a lot in the Old Testament for sacrifices that were made for the people to be holy before God. And thus at one with God. That's at one meant there. Yes, at one with God. I like it. The New Testament uses the word reconciliation. Mm-hmm. You probably know that word better yes. for atonement because that's the literal interpretation of the word. So when you think atonement, if that gives you trouble, just think reconciliation. It's a bigger word, but you may be more comfortable with it. Micah chapter 7. Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. That's a good word. He'll turn again. He'll have compassion on us. He'll subdue our iniquities. Yes, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. That is one of my absolute favorite verses. In Hebrew, mercy is the word chesed, which has no exact counterpart in English. It's it's usually translated as mercy, kindness, or loving kindness, but it's really got a much deeper meaning. Chesed is not used randomly of kind deeds because it represents the attitude required when two people are in covenant. Mm. It contrasts man's frailty with God's steadfast reliability. Though Israel be faithless, yet God remains faithful still. The loving kindness is wholly under, well, it's undeserved. God's passion for righteousness is so strong that he could not be more relentless in his demand for it, but God's persistent love for his people is more insistent still. So sometimes it seems like, why in the world, God, why do you love me? Why do you have mercy on me? Well, it's at chesed. That's that word that we have a hard time defining. It is the heart of God. And here's what he says in First John, First John. My dear children, I write this to you that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice. See, you get that word again. For our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Now, First John is a tough book. It challenges you left and right. Yom Kippur was the one day each year the high priest would go through the veil to enter the Holy of Holies with blood from a bull and the goats to make atonement, or one goat, to make atonement for all the sins of the priesthood and the people. The veil that separated the rest of the temple from the holy place represented the separation between God and man due to man's sin. We've said that a few times. When Jesus died on the cross at Passover, the veil in the temple was torn in two. It was eliminated. Now, as Christians, because of the blood of Jesus shed for us and his death on the cross at Passover, our sins have been atoned. It's good. As we repent of our sins and put our faith in Jesus, he saves us by grace through faith. We have a new destiny and a new eternity that are determined solely by a relationship with him. We celebrate that awesome truth at Passover. So why do we need a day of atonement if our sins have already been atoned for once for all? He Uh said... It's finished after all, right? Yes. And as I mentioned earlier, that actually is really kind of the Day of Atonement at the same time. The cross doesn't have this random purpose apart from the Day of Atonement. So you're actually looking on at Passover at the Day of Atonement in action. But that's not all. It's, it's bigger than that. So when he said it is finished on the cross, his job was indeed finished on the earth. But the story isn't over. As you probably know, he stayed 40 days and then he ascended, right? First John tells us, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. 
But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. So we're going to bring this verse to you again, right? Yes. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know we've come to know him if he... We keep his commands. So we're this whole thing is really, this whole keeping of commands thing is the little fly in the ointment, isn't it? We need some way to work this out because if he dies for our sins and we keep sinning, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. So did you notice that it said he is the atoning sacrifice, not he was the atoning sacrifice? Continual. This is where the Day of Atonement comes in for each one of us. The spring feasts of unleavened bread, Passover, and first fruits all deal with an earthly problem, the sin that led to death for man and eternal separation from God. The death and resurrection of Jesus completely resolved this problem for mankind. But listen to Hebrews 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, that's Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become merciful and faithful high priest in service of God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. All right, so I want you to first notice there that in what he did on the cross, what he, actually what he just became human, became a man, he did that so he could be the best kind of high priest. Mm-hmm. So here we are. We're back at the Day of Atonement again, right? But there is much more to the cross, the grave, and the resurrection that didn't take place on earth. Many p- people believe Jesus only fulfilled the spring feasts when he came 2,000 years ago. They believe the fall feasts will be fulfilled in the end times. And that's partially true. The fall feasts will be fully accomplished in the end times. But they were already fulfilled with his first coming. He was born on Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. His ascension on the top of all of it mirrors the scapegoat's yearly disappearance from the same spot on the Day of Atonement. As the tabernacles, well, in the simplest of terms, Jesus came to the earth as a baby, lived with us, or tabernacled. First John mm-hmm. one fourteen, the word became flesh and made his dwelling, or tabernacle, among us, right? The Day of Atonement isn't just the judgment day to come in the end times, or an unnecessary extra day of sacrifice now that Jesus died on the cross. The Day of Atonement was fulfilled 2,000 years ago because the cross was the earthly part of the Day of Atonement. But there's more to the cross than we realize. Sin and death were defeated on the cross for all mankind who would ever live who came to Jesus through his blood poured out on the cross. But how does his blood still do for us what it did for them who were alive when he died? Well, we all know the reality of life after salvation, right? We still fall into sin. Sometimes we leap into it. Unlike the human priests who served at an earthly tabernacle and temple, the good news is that Jesus was alive yesterday is alive today and will be forevermore. That's literally the definition of the name Yehovah. And so the power of his atonement lives on as well. Jesus continues to serve at the original tabernacle in heaven. So I want you to think about this. Hebrews 8.5 says the, of the pre, human priest, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. So say to yourself right now, the tabernacle, the temple, all the stuff of the Old Testament, that is actually in heaven right now. The real thing. What was once has been destroyed, no longer exists on the earth, is still existing in heaven. And here we go, uh, Hebrews 8. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Hebrews 9 reveals where Jesus went when he ascended into heaven. 
So 40 days, he goes to the mountain, up he goes. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and cows. So we already know he's going through the veil, whatever veil is in heaven. But he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, mm -hmm. thus obtaining eternal redemption. Yes. So he ascends from earth. And he goes into this tabernacle with his blood to remember what, is, what does he have to do. He has, it's been absorbing all the sins, so he's got to wipe and shake and do all this stuff and wipe out all the sins that are in the tabernacle. So why do we need Jesus as a high priest in the tabernacle in heaven? It's probably obvious, but I'll break it down in the next uh, break.